September 6th. And as we begin our reading today in the New Testament, we'll be looking into the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 8, verses 16 through 24, where we're learning some principles of giving. It begins with surrender to the Lord, it's motivated by grace, and it requires faith to be a real giver. It also requires faithfulness on our part. Those who handle the Lord's money should be dedicated and faithful, trustworthy, making certain that everything is honest and honorable so no one can find fault. It is a testimony to others. A year before, the zeal of the Corinthians had stirred others to give. Now, Paul had to stir up the Corinthians. See, we must not uh, give to be praised by people, but we must also be good examples before others. If we make promises, we need to keep them. And we find that it must be done gladly, this thing called giving. If you want uh, spiritual enrichment from your giving, you got to practice enjoyment and be glad for opportunities to give. Look at God's promises to faithful givers. I mean, how can you lose? And with that, let's begin reading today in the New Testament. September 6th, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 16 through 24. I, Paul and thankful to God that he has given Titus the same enthusiasm for you Corinthians that I have. He welcomed our request that he visit you again. In fact, he himself was eager to go and see you. We are also sending another brother with Titus. He is highly praised in all the churches as a preacher of the good news. He was appointed by the churches to accompany us as we take the offering to Jerusalem a service that glorifies the Lord and shows our eagerness to help. By traveling together, we will guard against any suspicion, for we are anxious that no one should find fault with the way we are handling this generous gift. We are careful to be honorable before the Lord, but we also want everyone else to know we are honorable. And we are also sending with them another brother, who has been thoroughly tested and has shown how earnest he is on many occasions. He is now even more enthusiastic because of his increased confidence in you. If anyone asks about Titus, say that he is my partner, who works with me to help you. And these brothers are representatives of the churches. They are splendid examples of those who bring glory to Christ. So, show them your love, and prove to all the churches that our boasting about you is justified. My name is Zach. I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. 25 years old, here in Phase 1 at the Refuge. I wanted to tell you a little about my journey to the refuge. So, growing up, my parents were divorced when I was two. I kind of had a lonely childhood in a way. I was always by myself playing music and really coping by myself. So when I got older and moved to Alabama, I had a relationship. And when that went south, I didn't really know how to deal with it. Those coping mechanisms never worked. And I'd always played in a band with music. I thought
thought it was cool to, to do drugs and so eventually I tried them to help and uh, it seemed like it did help for a little bit but next thing I know six years later I'm in rehab I was, uh, I was a firefighter for six years and uh, I had a lot of things that I thought were important to me at the time a, a house, a fiance a nice car a career but in all reality none of that really mattered I was really lost. Before the refuge, I was hopeless. I was depressed. I even slept on the streets. I didn't know where to go, where to turn, what to live for, what a purpose was. I just knew I needed help. I'd been fighting the refuge and the idea to come here for a long time. And uh, I finally changed my mind. I felt like God called me here. This is now my eighth time in treatment. But coming here to the refuge has changed everything. I'm only in phase one and only four weeks in I've seen a miraculous change within me. Really other people have too. It's, it's amazing. I don't even think the same way. Christ has delivered me from everything. I thought I could do it on my own, but I couldn't. I'm just fortunate enough that this battle's already been won, and I don't have to fight anymore. I just have to surrender. I'd just like to give you guys some hope that this can, this can pull through, this can happen, this can... <laughs> we can all make it through this. And you are enough. Thank you guys. Did Jesus suffer? Was he sometimes lonely? Was he tempted to be discouraged? Was he misunderstood, maligned, and criticized unjustly? Of course, none of us are exempt from suffering, exempt from loneliness, exempt from discouragement or unjust criticism, because God is developing within us the character of Christ. And in order to do this, he must take us through all of the circumstances in life through which he took Christ. Does this mean God causes tragedies? No. God is good, and he will not cause evil or do evil. But God can use dark and stressful times for good. He'll use them to teach us to trust him, to show us how to help others, and to draw us closer to other believers. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8b through 9 we are crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure and we thought we could never live through it in fact we expected to die but as a result we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on god who raises the dead so what should you do when you're going through difficult times first you refuse to be discouraged then you remember god is with you Finally, you rely on God's protection and guidance. We all go through difficult times. The difference for those who believe in Jesus is not the absence of the shadow, but the presence of the light.
Psalm 50, verses 1 through 23, a Psalm of Asaph. The mighty God, the Lord, has spoken. He has summoned all humanity from east to west. From Mount Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines in glorious radiance. Our God approaches with the noise of thunder. Fire devours everything in His way, and a great storm rages around Him. Heaven and earth will be His witnesses as He judges His people. Bring my faithful people to me, those who made a covenant with me by giving sacrifices. Then let the heavens proclaim His justice, for God Himself will be the judge. O oh, my people, listen as I speak. Here are my charges against you, O Israel. I am God, your God. I have no complaint about your sacrifices or the burnt offerings you constantly bring to my altar. But I want no more bulls from your barns. I want no more goats from your pens. For all the animals of the forest are mine, and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. Every bird of the mountains and all the animals of the field belong to me. If I were hungry, I would not mention it to you, for all the world is mine and everything in it. I don't need the bulls you sacrifice. I don't need the blood of goats. What I want instead is your true thanks to God. I want you to fulfill your vows to the Most High. Trust me in your times of trouble, and I will rescue you, and you will give me glory. But God says to the wicked, Recite my laws no longer, and don't pretend that you obey me. For you refuse my discipline, and treat my laws like trash. When you see a thief, you help him, and you spend your time with adulterers. Your mouths are filled with wickedness and your tongues are full of lies. You sit around and slander a brother, your own mother's son. While you did all this, I remained silent, and you thought I didn't care. But now I will rebuke you, listing all my charges against you. Repent, all of you who ignore me, or I will tear you apart, and no one will help you. But giving thanks is a sacrifice that truly honors me. If you keep to my path, I will reveal to you the salvation of God. Proverbs 22, verses 22 and 23. Do not rob the poor because they are poor, or exploit the needy in court. For the Lord is their defender. He will injure anyone who injures them.